Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everyone. Like mini episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helberton, and who's holding the sun in their hands with me tonight? It's me, Reese Manic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding back. the sun with you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I am Phoebe Stanton, the Let's Play Princess, and may the sun be with you. <laughs> so this is completely uh, your pick, Phoebe. Actually, you mentioned it in the Discord where I made a thing asking for a recommendation. And this is one of the first ones that, well, the first thing I recorded from that. So thank you. Uh, you, you had suggested that we cover Boktai, The Sun is in Your Hand, developed by Konami, published by Konami, and came out for Game Boy Advance in 2003. Yeah, it's really funny because my mom is always the one who found the weirder games. And for a podcast called Games My Mom Found, this was actually my dad's pick. Okay. Podcast is special. <laughs> the name wasn't even, it was all It was all created by accident, essentially, where the name came from. Somebody oh, really? Found their Game Boy Advance and the guy's like, well, this, and I, had, I had other ideas. And I'm like, okay, we'll go with that. That's the name came from. Because <laughs> his mom found his Game Boy Advance in, in, their, in their basement or something like that. Oh, that's weird. Why was it in the basement? <laughs> it's the basement or somewhere in storage attic. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I talked to that guy. So I don't Fair. remember the store. He's that's one really, of the founders of the show. It's very funny that it's been a long time since you talked to them. And, and this is your podcast. Mm-hmm. And there were four of us, but they yeah. unfortunately, there were four of us that started, but unfortunately only three left and I did not stop. Still around. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot what I ask. So I completely understand. Hey, you're still rocking it. I, I love doing this, so it ain't gonna stop. But we are here to talk about Bokai, a game that I have actually been super, super curious about for years. And I'm like, well, I can't emulate this. How am I gonna emulate the whole sun effect? And it wasn't until you, Phoebe, had pointed me out, like, you can just use this emulator and this can do it. And because of that, I finally got to experience this game. Yeah, it's definitely nice that the MGBA emulator has it built in, because otherwise there is a patch for the ROM specifically, and you can still play it in Visual Boy Advance, and I think they just have it where you hold select and use the up and down arrows, and it actually makes the solar sensor go up and down. I can speak to this because I played on a soft-modded 3DS, and oh. I used that version, and I bl- it's actually um, R and L at the same time, I think, so you actually wind up accidentally um, shooting your uh, grenade move quite often, which is oh, a no. But it's okay. But yeah, you use the D-pad in conjunction with that to raise and lower the light level. And it works great. Okay. that's. I mean, I wanted to try that, but I just... I was messing with the patch, but I've never been good at trying to patch games when I've done that before. I went through a phase where I was trying to play a lot of ROM hacks, and that's how I accidentally delete, copied over my save in Pokemon Platinum and screwed myself when I was had all eight badges and was going to have to go beat the game. So Ooh. I don't mess with that as much. <laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there. That was a while ago. I had Meanwhile, I'm the crazy person who's been screaming on Twitter for the past few years that since the Switch right Joy-Con has an infrared sensor on the bottom of it, that they should just port the games to Switch. I mean, that makes such sense. Oh, my goodness. But there's one problem with porting any of these games to Switch. Konami. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Kojima needs to go away. They don't like Kojima. (laughs) I don't foresee them porting some weird Game Boy Advance game that probably didn't sell super well over here when they hate one of the people involved in it. Yeah, I think that's the biggest compliment you can give that game is this definitely feels like Baby's first Kojima game. Uh, I I disagree, but I, I see where you're coming from. It it does feel like the early, more early versions of Metal Gear. Like, if you ever played 
Metal Gear 1 or 2 for MSX. It feels a lot like that. Yeah, it does. It's more approachable than those games, though, and yes. a little oh, less yes. punishing. And yeah, um, I do want to point out, like, we're going to talk about Kojima a lot in this episode, obviously, because he's <laughs> a major part of what this game was. But oh, yeah. it was Kojima did not uh, direct the game. Ikuya Nakamura did. And Ikuya Nakamura is still at Konami working on things related to probably Metal Gear, if we're being completely real. But Shinko Machines? Um, yes. I was like, Konami still makes video games? Yeah, this is the, the weird thing that's going on, right? And, you know, obviously it's all rumor mill stuff. But it is worth noting that this director is still at Konami um, and has worked on a lot of projects with Konami, continued to work on Metal Gear through the years. So if they have... I would say we shouldn't give up complete and total hope. It is certainly possible that they could bring this game back with some of the people who are still involved working at Konami and being a big part of that company. Well, for the record, twice on the show I've been wrong with Live Live. I recorded an episode that said, there's no way that's coming out again. I do the same thing with uh, TMT Hyperstone Heist, and both of those got re-released. So, hey, let's go three for three. <laughs> never say never, right? But it is certainly <laughs> true that, you know, I mean, we don't know what Konami's going to ever get around to doing. <laughs> no, and I... I I think this should be ported to kind of go on that conversation real quick, like because this is a game that like I've been curious about. But because of the the whole gimmick of the sun sensor, it's a cool gimmick, but it's a gimmick it kept me away from this game because I've always been curious about this game. But I mean, I don't I never I actually never had a GBA. I skipped that entire generation. So if uh, it helps, I, I also didn't. Uh, Lunar Nights doesn't use a solar sensor or anything. It is just a game that you can play anywhere. Okay, that makes sense, though, because that's a DS, and the, I mean, the fact that you have it, like, it's cool how, like, part of this whole, I, the whole idea with this game is that you'd have to go out in the sun and play the game, and then by being in the sun, there's a sensor in the back of the cartridge that would then absorb the sunlight to help you get through the game. Yeah, and today was the first time I ever noticed the overheat mechanic, which I didn't really remember because it was never a thing when I originally played it years ago. Oh, I got and hit I with think, the overheat a couple times. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting that there's an overheat mechanic. I feel like it's more for the fact that it would burn out the Game Boy Advance. You don't want the actual console overheating. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why it's there. Partly it's to, you know, get you out of the sun if you've been in the sun too long playing this game. I feel like that's part of it, too. Yeah. Uh, sim- similarly to you, Mike, I also did not have a Game Boy Advance growing up uh, or a Game Boy. I would play friends and be very jealous of them. But, you know, playing this game is part of catch up for me. Like, I, you know, I'm playing all these old Game Boy Advance games and enjoying the heck out of them, but never grew up with them. Same. This one thing I'm trying to do is, I mean, I had a Game Boy Color and I had a DS, but I completely skipped the Game Boy. I didn't play many DS either, which I'm trying to I'm trying to remedy that, too. So, like, that's why I took up Phoebe up on, on her offer when she mentioned this game. I'm like, awesome. I got someone that's willing to talk about it and knows what they're talking about. Let's go. That's how it happened. But no, I mean, it's a one with this game is a top down action game that I guess is like a like a shooter, essentially, I guess is the easiest way to put it. But it's also a game that's supposed to you're supposed to be stealthy in this game. It's definitely a fusion of Metal Gear Solid and Castlevania. Yeah, good way to put it. Yeah, those are the two strongest, you know, connections that I feel when I'm playing it, for sure. Because, like, I didn't do a lot of sneaky stuff because I just didn't want to. It wasn't until way late in the game when I was more forced to have to knock on things to attract enemies, and I didn't like that. But the game forced me to learn how to do that and actually do it, because most of my way of playing was, hey, look, an enemy, let's go kill him. So, which is not the way you're supposed to play this game, by the way. I mean, I also had endless sunlight, because I was cheating. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
I had an emulator, so I just had the sunlight always turned on. Except for the parts in the game made me turn it off. It's the only way you can do it. I didn't look up how much a cartridge of this is. If this game is expensive or not, but... Don't want to know. I'm on it. Give me a moment. I'll look it up. (laughs) Thank you. But, I mean, it's pretty much just a top-down action game. The sprites, you know, look fine. You collect items that you can then use to heal you. You get items that will let you refill your different meters like any other game because you have your ammo which is your one of your solar meters that you can refill by going to spots where you see the sun shining down in dungeons or if you're out in space not space itself but i mean out in the world sunlight you can just recharge your gun and that's kind of the main concept of the game but then you also with your weapon you get different frames and lenses that you can adjust the weapon so you can have a fire attack ice attack earth attack which i never got wind attack you can do all these different things with the gun or you can also equip the star one and not realize you equipped it and then think the game is glitched until you realize, oh, you're stupid. You know, so <laughs> that can happen, too. <laughs> Do you want to know more about the value of this game? Oh, absolutely. Sure. All right. So you can get a European copy for about $100, which isn't <gasps> too bad. You can get a Japanese copy kind of in the similar range. American copies, however are not so easy. Now, a pre-owned copy goes for about $180, usually. Uh, but if you want a brand new copy of Boktai that has never been opened before, you are going to pay $450 for that. That's too much. That's a little too much. I'm willing. <laughs> hey, <laughs> there are games that are about 400 now, so... Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't buy physical. This is one reason why I don't collect physical games anymore. Yeah. It's an I expensive hobby. <laughs> my, I have physical games. My local game store actually thinks that it's completely okay to have Bianca and Evil for the GameCube pre-owned for $240. And I just look at the Steam and Xbox 360 versions and go, do I really need an old copy? No. Yeah, that's a wild price for that, that game. That game's not worth that. That game was fully, like, made too, I'm pretty sure. Not fully made, like, I mean, fully made, but I mean, like, it was actually, you know, it shouldn't be that rare of a game. Yeah, it wasn't like super limited print, but yeah. I mean, I think GameCube in general has just shot up in value, unfortunately. It has. That's a lot of money, though, but I'm not surprised. I'm not because su- I'm assuming this probably didn't have the biggest circulation, even though the sequel did come here, but the third one didn't. But then the fourth one did. Yeah, the fourth one has a completely different name. <laughs> so yeah, I guess they were and they didn't have the gimmick. So and the yes, DS, I think, made a lot of money. So I yeah, I had a lot of trouble. I mean. I like looking up the context and, you know, finding out why certain things did or didn't come to the U.S. I had a lot of trouble with this one. There isn't a whole lot of documentation on this series in general, you know, (laughs) despite, I mean, there is absolutely a a rabid fan base for this series and these people love these games, right? But at the time that they were being published in, you know, 2003, 2004, uh, there just weren't many interviews being given. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, information being published on, like, the state of the series. So it's tough to figure out. I mean, probably just came down to sales numbers, right? Yeah. But but uh, it, we don't really have much data on why 3 didn't come over before did, for example. My guess is still the system, because DS was such a big seller. And That's true. Were, I mean, they were throwing so much content in the DS, I feel like, out there. I used to work at a Target during that time, and I just remember all the shovelware that I would see. So, I mean, I doubt that game of shovelware, but the same idea, like, you know, it made DS was just making bank, so. Yeah, absolutely. When did Boktai 3 come out? Let's see. Uh, that was... Five or four. And the DS was out by then, right? Yeah, because Lunar Nights yeah. on Monsai is 2006. Yeah, it's 2004 in Japan and 2005 in the US. Okay, so that probably was a lot of it. was like, hey, we've got the DS out. We can't be releasing Game Boy Advance games anymore. Yeah, it won't sell as well. Especially something like this where I'm assuming all three of the games have the Sun gimmick still, right? Maybe. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. And uh, correction, 2004 in North America. My bad, 2005 in like Europe. But huh. yeah, so the DS had been out. Okay, yeah. Okay. Also, Phoebe, I should ask, how did you first play this game? Or what, how were you first introduced to Vokdai? So I want to say I got it for my birthday, Christmas Day. My dad bought it for me, and I would play it a lot at school or just hanging out on the front porch playing this. And just like what Reese said with the sales numbers, I've never met another person in my entire life who has physically owned this game. <laughs> we know we know why now. <laughs> why no one right? really owns it. Yeah, I don't know if you ever will meet someone if they're paying $450 <laughs> for a new copy, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, you probably, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it's got to be, I have also, like, you're the first person I met that's ever even played it. Oh, I owned both games that came in America, and I bought Lunar Nights myself. I love this series. Well, I'm happy, because this is, this. you introduced me to something that I've been, you know, so curious to play, and I finally played it. Yeah, you know, I, I got mean, mad I, at the game a lot, by the way. I, I gotta say, Phoebe, that's, like, very badass to be able to say <laughs> that you were on top of that series when it was coming out. That's awesome. Like I said, my, my mom and dad seemed to always know the weirdest shit possible. <laughs> like, this my is... mom bought me a game that there's only 10,000 copies in all of America. What, for Bokai? No, there was a game oh. called Growl Answer that my mom bought me. For PS2? Yeah. Growl Answer Generations? Yeah, I want to say Heritage of War, but it came out in Japan as Generations. Okay, is it the one like has a girl on the cover with a, gold, with a golden bow and arrow? maybe it's the one with the gothic lolita girl that's the main villain i never played it but i do own one of them oh it's <laughs> definitely a video game okay i'm gonna look this up where, where. okay i I'm, i think i might own this we'll figure that out later but oh that would be awesome <laughs> no i mean there's nothing it's fun to, to have random games that's one thing that drew me to gaming sometimes with random ass games and this fits that category so well like i mean this game has a pretty deep story too i feel you're a kid that's a vampire hunter. Your father was killed by a vampire. The same vampire that you're hunting in the beginning of this game, too, I should add. That would be the game, yep. Okay. Girl Answer Generation. I bought that the day it came out. Never touched it. Been sitting on my shelf to the right of me. So. Actually, let me yeah. double check on that. <laughs> Touch it, Mike. Touch it. That's yeah. the game. I mean... Oh, that I, is a collection of two and three. Yeah. I... I, I I don't. Maybe I can get the day it came out, but I I got it pretty close because I was like, I gotta get all these PS2 RPGs. I'm gonna play someday. Well, it's been 15 years. I'm still waiting. So one day. But <laughs> with Bokai, like I like the idea that you're you know your father was killed and you're this vampire hunter and you have like a sunflower looking thingy that follows you. That's your guide essentially. Yeah, is such a great character. It's so weird sometimes too. Oh like, yeah. And I was. So confused. This game didn't explain. I feel like this game didn't explain a whole lot to what was going on. Like I was just confused what to do. Like you go through your first dungeon or your first main dungeon where you have to go and go find the immortal, which is where I before I found out how much this game is broken up into little dungeons. And like once you go through this whole place and you get the count, you beat him. You're like okay, I, and then you have to go and drag his coffin out of the castle to get to what's called a pile drive, where you made a, where your buddy Otenko makes a symbol on the ground, and you have to go there. And you do another boss fight. Like, it was not what I expected. Yeah, yeah I love the coffin dragging. Um, I and I got a shout out. I mean, it is a reference to a wonderful movie. Do you know what movie it is? I do not. Django. Oh, that makes sense. Django now. and Jane? Yes. Uh, no, the no, original Django, 66 uh, Django. Django Nero, who does appear in Django Unchained. But yes. Oh, okay. I was going to say, Django Unchained, I'm pretty sure is after this. So I was like, wait a second. Yeah. 
Django Unchained is a big homage love letter to the original film Django, and they do get Franco Nero, who is the lead in that, to show up in Django Unchained. Cool, because this but, guy, the character is named Django in this. Yes, exactly. And yeah, that's... Uh, in the original film, drags a coffin around, so there you go. Okay, and it's, Ko- and it's Kojima being Kojima. It's he definitely like, he... Kojima being Kojima, because every human in this game is named after a Western. <laughs> yep, big love letter to Westerns. Okay, I didn't I I didn't catch that at all because I didn't really there's not a lot of people in this game actually. So Sabata is from a spaghetti western, Django is of course Django, and I want to say Lita is Rita of the West. That would I check just out. looked this up earlier. Freaking Kojima sure. in his movies. Like <sighs> Kojima really loves movies. Kojima really likes naming shit in the most <laughs> obscure way possible, because if you didn't notice all the bosses except for Carmilla and the Count are all Norse mythology. I didn't catch that. I can spoil right now that that actually carries over to the next two games as well. The final boss of every single game is one of Loki's kids from Ragnarok. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and this one ends with hell. And yeah, it's a fun fun naming convention. I'm not sure if it has much more meaning beyond him just having fun with the names, right? He just likes names. I think he just likes doing stuff like that. He really loves names for some reason. One thing about this game that that's a really cool concept, it didn't work well for me at all in any shape or form. Also, I'm learning new things on watching a speedrun right now, which I'm going to comment on. <laughs> but first thing I want to say is that like you get different frames for your gun, you get different lenses. A lot of it is optional. And this game will have mini dungeons in between the main dungeon that you're supposed to go to to find items. And I, I did some, but I skipped a lot, especially near the end where I skipped an entire section of the game right to the final area because I could and because I was running out of time. <laughs> so, I mean, if it helps, bomb grenades still do the most damage. So as long as you stockpile on those, you should be fine. Yeah, about that, Phoebe. There's a little thing you don't know about me. I don't use items like that. Oh. I didn't use a single grenade in this game because I was saving them for the final boss. Oh, no. See, oh, I no, used Mike. them all the day back in the past <laughs> because when you're playing this game at night, the rising sun grenade instantly fills your solar sensor for pips. That probably so wouldn't just, have been a bad idea. I had I saved up. I had a ton of grenades. Never used a single one because I was just waiting to use them, and I just never used them. I used I also a lot by changing had a weak my frame. <laughs> I had the sword frame or something. I had some kind of frame, but it wasn't very powerful. I had to get up close and personal to hurt them, so it made the game harder. Oh, do you mean a uh, spear? I think so, yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't very good. And like the guy, be like, oh, use this frame and use this. I'm like, well, that's nice. I don't have those. So. I speed ran this game the entirety of today. I just beat it today, Damn. start to finish. And there is a hidden dungeon to the left of the Delusion Forest. Uh, there's like a big empty patch of grass on the overworld. And if you walk over it, there's actually a hidden dungeon. And there's a spear upgrade called, I want to say, the Javelin. And it's attack is S and it's stun is A. It's so powerful. For those that don't know why attack power was D. <laughs> So (laughs) the different or maybe see it at the greatest. It was C to kind of give you an example of what she's talking about and what my mistake was playing this game. Wow. I should have did that because the guy told me to go there. but I was like, I was just getting I'm like, I'm running out of time. I got to beat this game. And I just it it feels very Metal Gear one and two in a lot of ways. And even solid one where there are just so many critical upgrades that you can miss. And. They make your life so much easier if you find them and you can finish the game that way. But also you can absolutely finish the game at a major disadvantage. And that seems to be something that I think Kojima kind of stopped doing after, for the most part, Metal Gear Solid 1. 
Yeah, because two, you can't really miss a lot. You can't miss things that you need to. No, yeah. There's just a lot of extra stuff you can get. Like, I would try, like, they do a good job of color coding the chest, like a green chest being something that will have either usually frame upgrades or something to do with that, or grenade. Blue chest that has a key item to help you progress through a dungeon, usually a key, or a regular brown chest that sometimes are mimics, too, that will have, like, healing items, which are, like, food and things like that. Then sometimes a green chest will have a, a coin in it. What the hell is the point of all those stupid coins? Yeah, so if you... I did this in the past, and it's so stupid. If you grab all 30, you unlock the sound test. That's it? That's it. I grabbed a bunch, but I didn't get 30. Yeah, that's that's kind of a lame uh, unlock at the end of the that's thing. That's stupid. But, oh, well. Okay, I'm glad I didn't bother for it then. Yeah. There's also different items er, that you'll get, like consumables. You'll have You'll have a banana that makes you more powerful. You'll have... I forget what something makes you faster. Like you just get different little items that you'll that you'll get throughout the game, which I again hoarded all items in this game till near the end and I used a bunch. I actually ran out of almost ran out of healing items and I almost ran out of like everything near the end of the game because those fucking final two boss fights just beat the shit out of me. So Dan, I start giving you mushrooms early in the game, but they're only useful from Soul City up. <laughs> it's only useful for like one little part. Yeah. Uh one of my big so one of my so I have a question. For both of you, see if you guys did this and, and figure out how to do it. So when you're fighting, when you get the coffin out, did you shoot the end, the coffin and the enemy in the boss when he's in the coffin in the pile driver, or did you just shoot the the solar generators as he hurt as he infected them with darkness? You just shoot the solar generators. No, you yeah. don't. Well, in the speed I run, like <laughs> I just watched. He didn't shoot the generator. He got the generators going, then he shot the enemy and killed him quickly. Really? Yes. Okay. So I'm not the only one I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't, normally, sometimes I'll watch a speedrun for a game before I play it for the show, so I can kind of come into it with a little more education. I didn't do that for this game, because time, and I kind of regretted it, because there's a lot of shit I missed in this game. Yeah, I witnessed something today that I had never seen before in my countless playthroughs of this game. So, you know those armor mini-bosses that carry around a shield and, like, a sword or an axe or whatever? (laughs) I never saw them. So there's a mini boss in some of the dungeons that's just a living suit of armor. And if you attack enough times from the front, it'll hold up a shield and you can actually destroy it. And sometimes it'll do a slam attack with its weapon and you can destroy that. I've never destroyed the weapons before. I didn't even know that was possible, but I destroyed his shield and his weapon. And with no other thing to do, he depleted his own health bar and did a desperation move. Oh, wow. I didn't even know you could destroy the shield right and i ran behind it and shot it you know like i figured no that's the only way i can do this oh so you both fought him seems like i it. definitely fought a living suit of armor at one point okay, yeah. i did not i i got to a point where i stopped going to side dungeons and just tried to get through the game i mean that's a way you can play it that's one of the coolest things about the game i think is that there are so many different optional paths and the map just shows you which way do you want to get to the next major story beat and you can take any path you want. I don't want to be negative here because I like that and I agree, but I did get lost a lot. It's a game Same. where I just kind of got lost frequently. And that does come from that. But I do still appreciate that. I do like that you can take different paths and it's viable. So I don't want to necessarily say that's like a bad thing specifically. No, no I it's can... just it's also to kind of point out though, what Risa, it's also part of the one, the year, the two, early 2000s and two. The fact that it's portable, they want to make sure that, like, well, they, they probably look at it, well, you're going to be walking around a lot playing this game, so 
it's okay for it to be like that because it's a mobile game type of thing at the time. Yeah, it definitely feels like sometimes when you're on the overworld, just walking around, and you look at your map, they're not exactly one-to-one. It'll say that there's a path left, but what it actually means is northwest. Yeah, that messed with me a lot. So no, I can can completely understand where you're coming from with that race. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't... Like, it's one of those things where it's like, it. Uh, I was a little frustrated sometimes, but it didn't ruin the game for me or anything. And I did appreciate the options that it opens up in being nonlinear. You know, I think it's interesting. It's a, it's a cool thing. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it because I also don't, I don't like when games give me complete freedom like that, where I, where I can skip stuff that, in my opinion, was pretty important in this game. But I get it. I, it, it's a me problem. I don't blame the game for that. It's a it's a me thing. If I can skip stuff, I'll skip stuff. So don't don't mind me sometimes. I don't want the option. Do you want to know about how the sensor uh, decision came to be with the design? Sure, please. Cool. Okay. Here's a quote from Kojima. From by the way, this is from Shmuplations translators of Nintendo Dream Magazine in 2003. So awesome work, Shmuplations. Appreciate that. <laughs> for a game that uses the sun. I knew a sensor would be the best choice, but I had absolutely no idea how to make it happen. As it happened, a little before that, Konami had been designing some portable handheld medical devices equipped with a variety of sensors. And so when that got released on the market, my previously vague concept of catching the rays of the sun came into clearer focus. If we attach this sensor to a GBA cart, it could work. That was the official start of everything. It was right around the end of the Metal Gear Solid 2 development. Did you just so, say that Konami made medical supplies? Yes. That that's is cool. what was happening. So that's how this game kind of came to be a little bit. Which that's is interesting. awesome. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, that that makes this a lot cooler. It's it's certainly fascinating. And it is one of those things where it's like you can definitely see, you know, that being a thing that Kojima realizes he gets to work with and that opening up the idea. When he pitched the game to Miyamoto, because he actually did directly pitch to Miyamoto, because uh, that was what people did back then. He wanted to include a breath measuring sensor, so if you'd eaten something with garlic, <laughs> the vampires would die. <laughs> oh, Kojima. Wild. Yeah. Uh, there, That's a Kojima sentence right there. That interview is wild, and I just like have to, I have to share this stuff, because there's so many interesting things in it. He said that Miyamoto made a few requests for the project, and those actually proved helpful, but also at the presentation while he was pitching, he had prepared a little song for the game that he sang for the Nintendo execs and Miyamoto, and he sang it in the tune of Pikmin's love theme. Oh my and he God, says, I love you, Kojima. But they were completely stony silent after he finished. It was like a typical comedy routine with him being the fool and them playing the straight guy. So <laughs> it sounds like that didn't go well, particularly. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of looked like a goofball, but that's pretty great. That is wonderful. It's also very, that seems very Kojima. Like, he's just a very strange guy. I mean, brilliant, but strange. Yeah. I, I want to I hear him sing his song to the theme of Pikmin. I have the strange idea that doesn't exist anywhere online. Right. <laughs> I don't that's see not, him recording that and uploading And that. I will uh, dedicate my life to tracking him down and making him sing his song. Meet him at a convention and be like, do you, do you remember the song you sang for Miyamoto and the Nintendo <laughs> Don't talk to me. Uh, well, one, you'd have to go to Japan. I don't know if he goes to anything. I'll make it happen. Okay. <laughs> That's cool, Please though. Do. I'll, I'll, tr- I'll, I'll show up at the Keeleys. He'll, he'll be there. <laughs> about a franchise that probably no one really talks about. I'm sure no one brings up Bokutai to him. 
Yeah, yeah, probably not often. Um, you know what? We can talk about that a little bit because I also found a retroactive interview that asked him a little bit about that. And he speaks very differently retroactively about this series than he did back when he was talking about it at the time, which oh is God. interesting. Oh, I do want to note, uh, there were 15 people on the development team. And at the time, that was apparently like 1.5 times the normal amount. Like normally it was 10 people, but now they have 15. So it was like, wow, that's a big team at the time, which is fascinating. Wow. A Game Boy Advance game or for a game yeah. in general? The, the Kojima quote was, there's 15 people on the team, 1.5 times the normal amount. And the interview sa- the interviewer says, wow, yeah, that's a big team. And that's what I've got. <laughs> so... I, I, I'm assuming I Game Boy Advance, because there's no way I can see Metal Gear Solid 2 only being 10, 15 people. Right, 10 probably, people, so. yeah. But it is interesting that, like, GBA games are being developed on that level of budget, right? Like, that's tiny. It's kind of wild. I mean, um, GBA games were cheaper than, like, a big, like, a console game at the time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, they were basically indie games, right? Equivalent. Um, yeah. Anyway, the, the later interview that I found with him, um, he said, yeah, let me let me really quickly skim this. It's a big, long Whoa. I'll talk while you do that. Sure. <laughs> so another, the one thing, another thing I want to bring up is that the way that this game is divided. You First, you have your one dungeon where you fight the Count, where you then, you know, are trying to avenge your father, kind of, I guess. And that's when the game kind of opens up from there more, because it's right after that, then you fight, then you meet this same size sprite, but different color, which is you don't know who this character is. His name is Soul. He has a shat, a dark gun that you have a solar gun. And that's like is- Sabata. I thought he was called Soul. No, you're right. It's Sabata. Soul's the city. Never mind me. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. No, please correct me when I'm wrong. I'm I'm okay with that. I I played this game over the course pretty quickly, <laughs> only once, and most of it I was frustrated with. So because this game is hard, it is. But you get introduced to him, and that's when the game kind of breaks up. You have in, in the second, ma- essentially what what my guy called second map. The guy, ma- the guy that I was using. You have two different worlds. You can go two different areas. You can either go to Fire Top Mountain, which is obviously a fire dungeon. Or you can go on a frost mountain, which is obviously an ice dungeon. And you have to go to both in order to progress the game. But depending on which one you go first, you either get a fire weapon or an ice weapon, which will then help you with the other boss. And I thought that was a really cool concept, too. So which one did you go to first, if I may ask? First, I went to ice. Then I read the guide that said go to fire. So then I went back and went to fire. Okay. And I went to the whole fire dungeon. Because I went to ice first, and that's kind of where I started really getting stuck. So we all went to ice first, and I don't think there's anything that... I don't think there's any meta puzzle that makes it so that way doing ice first is the right option. There because isn't. if you get the flame lens first from fighting Moosebell, you can make an early pile driver in yes. permafrost. But I don't think there's anything that correlates back where you can do... Use the frost lens to make a pile driver in fire. There isn't. It just makes the boss fight easier, I think. Yeah. And you can kill enemies faster because I went back there at one point to to something. But that's it. There's no like other benefit. I don't know why the guy told me to do the fire one first. I don't know if it's because of the fact that with the pile driver thing where it gets frozen and you have to go. But I found it weird because like first you fight a you fight a vampire, which is a count. And then the next bosses you fight are either a fire. Well, not a fire, but a big golem that you have to push into the lava or you fight an, an Arctic wolf. Yeah. Garmer and moose pal. That wolf is fucking cool for some reason. Uh, yeah. And I like them. it's really interesting to say that all of these bosses can be fought without using the gun at all, or at least doing damage to them via the gun. I, I didn't know that, but yes, like with the count, he has a bunch of swords and you're supposed to knock the swords back at him and then hurt him that way. 
So you can do that, and there are two windows up on the oh. ceiling, and you can have him dash into the sunlight. I did. I did that on the on the refight near the end of the game by accident. Nice. I'm also watching the speedrun of this. Wow, those grenades are really powerful that I never used. Yeah, they're awesome. I collected all of them. I uh, had I had probably over a hundred grenades when I beat this game. Didn't use a single one of them. Then you have Garmer who's named after Hell's guardian uh, wolf in Norse mythology. So pretty much just the Norse version of Cerberus. And you can push the ice blocks back into him. And then the funniest one is Moosebell, named after the realm of fire Moosebellheim. Should have just been Cerner. And he rolls after you. And if you dodge out of the way, you can actually push him into the lava, which is funny. Just him doing his little idle animation of trying not to fall off the platform. So I have a question, Phoebe, for you. Yep. When you do the refight with him, he stopped falling in the lava for me. Like I would get him, he would shake, and then I would shoot him, and he would just jump back. Really? Yeah, he would not go in, no matter how many times. I, I didn't use grenades, but I would shoot him with my gun, with my with my spear, and he just would not go in. He would not go back in the lava. He would just jump away instead. See, on the refight, I had no problem with that. That's really weird. It was strange because I'm like, am I doing something wrong? And he, I went through so many items. Because I was doing, like, you know, piddly damage to him. So, now I'm curious. When it came to Carmilla, named after, of course, the, the female vampire, did you use the reflectors to sh- shoot her own bullets back at her? You could. You can do that. And if, oh, you, I, hit, if you have her hit her own tail... Okay, I did do that. Yes, I, I hit the buttons on the reflectors, and I turned them around so she would end up hitting herself back with them. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. So I did do that. I figured that one out on my own because I I somewhat used a guide, but probably not. A, I was trying not to. But there were times where I could not play this game without a guide because it was just so confusing. Oh, yeah. Some of those later puzzles are for a game that's supposed to be three plus in Japan. Those puzzles can be ridiculous. Well, there was one where it, near the end of the game in, in the in the final part of the game where I had to knock on a wall after I slid around on ice to get the guy to come over to me. So he would stand on the switch. Oh, my God. That is such a pain. And he's not visible from where you are. Like, I didn't think he would notice, but he hears you somehow and he'll go all the way. And I also one thing I that I I picked up real quick in this game is when you alert an enemy, an exclamation mark goes above their head. (laughs) Strange. Yeah. And there's three levels. There's blue exclamation marks, which are you will not get penalized for alerting the enemy because it's in a trap or the final room in the dungeon. You have white, which is they are alerted, but they don't see you yet. They're not exactly aware of where you are. And then there's red, which is the, this will penalize your rank. I gotta admit, I did not ever notice the differences. I didn't either. Marks. That's all new to me. That's I almost always got red, too, to be fair. so Because I ran in people's faces and murdered them. Because if you kill them quickly, even after they get red, they can't attack you if you kill them fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did. But yeah, in the speed run... Uh, so what I'm watching, what this guy does for all the enemies when you, because after you beat an enemy, we kind of talk about you bring them to the pile driver, which is the big sunlight thing. He doesn't hit the guns at all. He just shoots the coffin with his solar attack. And that's that, it. That's how he kills the boss. That is wild. I didn't know you could do that. And by doing that, it also keeps it from, like, you never see the purple shadow go across the beam. He just stands right there and moves around. And that's oh, it. Oh, wow. I'm going to so, have yeah, to learn the speed run for this game. <laughs> But, I mean, that's the thing. This game is, there's a lot to this game. A lot more than I expected, even when I'm watching now. Like, you do get those rank things that you were talking about. What do those rank things even do? They give you more items when you defeat the dungeon. 
Okay. It's how much actually drops from the dungeon. At least that's what I'm aware of, because I never really saw anything else come from it. Okay. So, Reese, I wanted to ask you, how far did you get in this game? Because I know you said before the chat that you were unfortunately not able to finish it. Yeah, I didn't have time, and I feel so bad. I got a little bit past uh, both the fire and the ice area, total. So I, did, I didn't get that far in. Uh, I was on the third map. Okay. You got pretty far, because you that if you're using the IGN guide, I skipped the entire map for it, by the way. I went guideless. I, I tend okay. to try to do that when possible. And that, you know, I mean, well, this is where it got me. I only beat half the game. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. So. I mean, you didn't miss a whole lot. Did you get to the city in the sky? I think based, so I did, you know, uh, catch up on the rest of the game through YouTube, basically, uh, while I was at work. Don't tell anyone. Um, and I got basically right before that, like basically at the beginning of that area. Okay, you were close to the end, like Phoebe has said before to to me. I mean, there is a bunch of other stuff in the game, but it's all skippable. Yeah, you are about the seventy, the sixty six to seventy five percent way through. Yeah, because okay. then you just have the dark castle, which is essentially right. I mean, there is other stuff you can do after after you go through the city. There's a more like there's a bunch of optional areas that I skipped completely, and then you go right to the dark castle. And the dark castle is broken up into four dungeons, essentially, where you refight the bosses that you fought earlier in the game, and now they're way harder. Yeah, I, I definitely it's a game that I fully plan on beating. Like I'm going to go back to that thing. I was enjoying it. Well, that's good. Now there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this is. So when I first like put this game on the show, I, I as, as you heard in the opening of this episode, it's a mini. I thought this game would be a lot shorter than what it turned out to be. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a sizable game. Yeah, it is. It's like a full length. I was not expecting that. There's yeah. a lot to this game. How long to beat has all three of the games in the major series as ten hours or so, which is insane to me that two is according to them ten hours because I've put. I have capped out the save files timer on that game and then some. <laughs> well, how long to beat is more of an average, like if you kind of just run through a game and don't do everything or even like a chunk of things. Fair. That's how they have it set up. I know we're doing a bit of jumping around, but Mike, the guide, when it talks about the, the fourth dungeon, Soul City, does it bring up the fact that how much sunlight is hitting the solar sensor actually controls how much the wind is pushing you around. Yes, it does. Cause I, when I first Perfect. got to that part, I got out in the wind and I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to get across this? And that's when the guy told me, cover your, cover your sensor or in my case, turn off my sensor. <laughs> that's very fun. I love stuff like that. It's, it's a lot of cool things. And even though the fact that like, I wasn't playing in the sun, just to, even like, it's still a really cool experience playing this on a Game Boy Advance emulator. It's very cool experience. Like, yeah, I, it doesn't it take away works. from it. I mean, it would have been cooler to play it the way Reese was playing it, where you could, you know, press buttons to then, you know, alter the sun versus me going to options and playing with the solar sensor. But yeah, it is kind of nice to have to, to not have to break out of that world. Right. Yeah, but, I would have rather I uh, wanted to play this on my Steam Deck, but I didn't want to go through the trouble to patch the ROM, put it on the Steam sure. Deck and do all that. I just played it on PC. Yeah. And that's also why it took me longer, because had it been handheld on a Steam Deck, I probably would have had an easier time with it. But that's a, that's a me problem, not a game problem, because <laughs> it's more annoying to pull out your 360, your fake 360 controller and your laptop to play a game so, when you're on vacation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair. But that's yeah, that 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 was a me problem. I, I can't blame the game at all for that. But I did like the boss variant. I, I like fighting the count that really reminded me of Castlevania. The wolf was cool. You push ice blocks at him. The golem was OK. Like, I liked all that. And then the one boss we haven't we mentioned. God, what was her name, Phoebe? The Medusa thing? Uh, Carmilla. 
I I like Carmella a lot. I thought that was a cool fight where she just throws like orbs at you to try to stone you and things like that. I had a hard time figuring out her dungeon with the cockatrices, like where that where I think that's maybe later on where they have, to, they have to shoot their stone at you to then hit other statues. That took me a bit to figure out. Yeah, and it's definitely a lot worse in the final dungeon where you have to use uh-huh. the enemy cockatrices to shoot at you. Yeah. To reflect them back at the statues. And there's just like, why? And they wouldn't shoot at one point. Like they were just too close. And I was having a really, and I, I was having a really hard time getting them to shoot. And I was using Negative. safe states. So I could manipulate it really good. And I was <laughs> still having a hard time. Yeah. Cause it's a 50, 50. If they're going to actually shoot at you, in which case are the reflectors set up, right? Cause it, you can't can really tell or they'll jump at you. And if they hit the reflector, they their did. jump attack actually shifts it anyway. Mm-hmm. And they can break it too. Pretty oh, sure. can they break it? I think they can. I oh I was God. reloading and re- so they never so it didn't count because if they didn't do what I wanted them to, I'd reload and then eventually I'd run around and reset it. Because like to finally get them to hit one of them, which was cl- too close for them to want to use their beam, it took a lot of just running around, resetting the cycle to get them to finally shoot instead of trying to jump me. Yeah. It was we very, haven't- very annoying. There's a lens that we haven't talked about, which is the Luna lens, which absolutely does no damage. It but does something, it's, though. It's great for solving puzzles because it doesn't use any of your ammo either. Ah, uh, that's probably what it's for, then. And oh. one of the one of the big things is if you hit a cockatrice enemy anywhere from from anywhere but behind, it'll actually go into a frenzy and start shooting a lot of bullets. So you can no damage hit an enemy cockatrice with the luna lens and it'll start shooting and i guess that's how you're supposed to do that final puzzle in the dungeon okay that's cool though that would make sense i didn't do that i don't know what because i was tr- I, I had a guide but the guide i had i didn't like because there was no pictures or like <laughs> it was just a bunch of text that wasn't even divided very well so i didn't like the guide i had at all oh because you know some guides are like divided really well okay you're in this place like this guide to me wasn't divided good enough so it was annoying that's so did, i was did your guide at least give you the answers to all of the puzzles yeah it did okay because i think i brought up to you personally in dms or something that there's a puzzle in this game that took me months to a year to finally figure out that i re- kept restarting and replaying the game thinking that i might have missed something and that is in the final dungeon the dark castle the colored tiles on the ground creating the numbers the whole put the number in blue and then the number in red. Yes. That stumped the hell it's out backwards. of me as a kid. Because <laughs> it's also backwards. Yeah, it's right then. You have blue. to look at it upside down and not the way that you would think to look at it. Because they trick you with a six and a nine, essentially. Oh, you're talking about the uh, the block pushing one. With the with the calculator. Yeah, I'm talking about the the one where... It looks like there's a nine on the ground, but parts of the nine are made out of the color purple instead of red or blue. So they count towards both numbers. Oh, OK. I know. I I know what puzzle you're talking about. Yeah, I just used a guide. <laughs> I didn't even bother, like, trying to understand how any of that work. I just said, step on this, step on this. All right, you got it. And I just moved on. Fair. But I can I can see how that stumped you. Completely can see that. Um, that going was back really to, stupid. Going back to the bosses. Um. The Medusa-esque boss, anytime you get a screen-filling boss like that, 
where all the pixels on that boss are being animated. Oh my gosh. Like, that's the good stuff right there. That is a gorgeous boss fight for a Game Boy Advance game. It is. Love seeing it. There's so God. much work and detail that went into that sequence. It's really cool. Her swaying back her and forth, the fact that her tail moves independently from that. It's trying yeah. to kill you. It feels organic, and I it's I really love that cool. boss so much. I she 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 was hard. I had a hard time with that boss. Even though I mean, like once I figured out what I was doing it was easy, but like it took me a bit to before I went because I was I wouldn't read stuff right away. But it was a cool fight. But you know, it's just beautiful. I mean, that's this game is really pretty looking. Like all the enemy sprites look good. It's just super fucking confusing. Mike, did you play this with the sound off? I didn't have a choice. But yes, okay, fair. The emulator would not do sound. Really? Don't know why, but oh. it would not do sound. That sucks, because the soundtrack for this game is actually pretty could, good. Yeah, the, the music's pretty banging. <laughs> I have a, a I was, I'm using a fake 360 controller, so sometimes sound tries to go there, but I couldn't find the settings in the emulator to fuck with the sound. So yeah, I had no sound throughout this whole game, and it wasn't by choice. Normally it's by choice, this was not by choice. Damn, because there's actually some voice acting in this game, and there's also I heard. a really good soundtrack. No, I wanted to hear it. I like to at least always hear a little bit of sound when I play a game for the show, just so I can have something, but I couldn't get it to work, so I just gave up. That sucks. Yeah, that's just, yeah. <laughs> this game was a lot of trouble for me to play. <laughs> but yeah, there's some great music tracks. It's a really, really, really good score. Okay, that's too bad I missed it. But I mean, I don't, yeah, I'll look it up. I, I didn't, I'll watch a speedrun. I was trying to find a speedrun of this in Awesome Games Done Quick, because I love the commentary speedruns. Those are my favorite to watch. And lo and behold, there isn't any of this game for awesome games, surprisingly, or anything. There are no competitions where people ran this game. I can understand why, especially with the, the Illusion Forest, because its puzzle has to do with being a certain part of the day. You can't do it until sunrise hits. I, I did it whenever, just with fake sun. I tried, but it still told me that I needed to wait until the sunrise hits. Oh, I no, had to they let kill me... an hour of time. <laughs> Oh, maybe I did it at the right time then, because I didn't have any issue with it, but I did do it in the morning, just because that's when I had time. Because my wife was sleeping, we were sitting we were sitting at, at the house, or at the place that we were staying at, so I had time just to play this game. That's when I did the forest. Okay. So maybe I just happened to do it at the right time, so it didn't, I didn't notice it. Alright. Huh, I'm curious. Okay. So, I'm trying to think. We've talked about the first four bosses. How was everybody's uh, encounter with Sabata? Fucking terrible yeah that boss can be a pain in the ass i you don't know what you're doing would i mean i would not have i think because i was too weak i didn't have the right weapons i don't know how i would have done it without save states because the whole like the one problem with him he has two fucking forms two forms bitch i gotta say that dumb joke so <laughs> i fucking hated it like you have to sneak up on him and shoot him in the back and it was miserable yeah, Kojima, you got one already with the Revolver Ocelot fight. We're not doing another sneak around and hit the enemy. <laughs> was It was one of the hardest fights I ever did. Then I beat him, and then, I'm, then he's like, oh, I'm not dead yet. And he blackens out the screen and then makes a black hole that can suck you up. And I'm like, what? we got to fight again. I was really unhappy. Did you ever destroy the black hole? I didn't know you could. You can shoot it, and it will actually turn to a bunch of the solar... I don't know what you call them, fireflies or just the bugs. So you can okay. refill your battery for pretty fast with that. I did not know that. I I just ran from it. And I mean, that fight took me forever because I was too weak because I didn't have a very good weapon. So I would do like mini damage on him when I'd hit him. Like it wasn't good. You get one hit off. And you have to run for your life because if you if he sees you, 
he teleports in front of you and shoots you instead. You can't hurt him. Oh, our fight was miserable. Yeah, he's got a chunky health bar. I mean, again, I was being punished for not getting you know, the best weapon that apparently wasn't that far away from where I was at. So I, I grabbed a pretty good frame. I grabbed the SA one and it still kind of does no damage to him. It's ridiculous. So that's what you miss, Reese. You missed bullshit boss fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched someone handle it expertly. Oh, so, it was. You know. <laughs> it was probably up there one of the worst boss fights I've done in a game. I believe it. Like, that's... I wasn't sure. I was, I was actually looking for cheat codes for this game, but I was in a place with very little internet, so it was trouble for me <laughs> to actually go on the internet and look up stuff, so I'm like, eh, I'll just deal with it. And that's really funny, because then you fight Hell, and she's probably the easiest boss in the entire game. I had a really hard time with her, too. Really? Uh-huh. So, oh, after you beat... Sub, what is his name? Sabata? Sabata. You find out that he's your brother, that you're you're both sons of the moon child or something like that is going on here. I didn't really understand it. So you're sun and moon. That's why you both are different. And there's something out there trying to res- kill the moon child. I don't even know what the hell is going on in the story. The plot could be written a bit better. Well, again, this was partly a me problem. I didn't care. Oh, no. Even if you're paying attention to the story, it is kind of out there and they do a few parts in the cutscenes were just like, did I miss a bit of dialogue or did they just skip around? Okay, so it wasn't just me. All right. Yeah. I was trying to pay attention, but I just got it was just too much stuff happening. And I I also waited too long to play this game for the show because I thought it would be short. So I was waiting. So I didn't forget stuff. And that was not a good idea. Yeah, it's if memory serves. and I just played the game today. That's how poorly the plot is at times. So Hell is the queen of her specific clan of immortals because they actually bring her up in a future game. And the main villain of that game is just like, she thinks she's a queen? What a joke. (laughs) So she's part of the death clan of immortals. And the Count's supposed to be like her boyfriend and everything. And their whole deal is she wants to turn the entire planet undead. Because of the quote-unquote will of the galaxy, which is that we don't want everything to die. Everything should be forever or some. That's still up in the air for me. So she's trying to get the power of all four elements and the blood of her sister, who is a lunar child or moon child, to enact this sort of ritual. And so you have Django and Sabata are... Not fully human. They're super powered pretty much because their dad is a vampire hunter and their mom is this weird. I don't know if the lunar children are supposed to be immortals or what's going on there. It's still kind of confusing. Yeah, I can see that. I was confused, too. So, all right. (laughs) I didn't really understand. I just know that when you get into the dark the dark castle as you beat a boss in a tower the tower would then it show like a little cutscene when the tower falls off off this like you're on a freaking satellite in space yeah and if you leave the dark castle and then re-enter it and it plays the whole entering a dungeon cutscene those parts are missing so there is some consistency there i like that it had some i mean it's cool stuff i just i just really felt like i was doing too little damage to the bosses near the end and that Again, that's because I had shitty weapons because I skipped stuff. I probably shouldn't have skipped. So, no, you you were asking about the final boss fight. So the final boss fight is in two phases. I mean, first, I was just worn out after after the big fight that I just got done going through. Like the first fight is 
kind of the first form is simple. You just have to free your little buddy whenever he gets stuff on gets like black orbs on him so he can then summon the generator. That's all you really do. Yeah, and if you damage her enough, she has to spend her time healing, so she oh. won't cover him in dark matter. Okay, I just ran for my life. Fair. <laughs> that's also a viable option. Well, that's what the guy told me to do, just run for your life. Not in those words, but that's what I was doing. And then I thought, okay, this is going to be like a short boss fight, you know, quick and easy. And then after you you shoot her with the orb, she then goes into a second form, and I'll, and the guy's like, oh, this form is easy, you get help, and your your brother, who you just got done beating the shit out of, joins you in the fight, except it didn't really help me, because she has, she has four hands, you have to destroy the hands that respawn, sometimes while you're still trying to fight the hands, they respawn, and sometimes they don't respawn, and she has an attack where she will reach out and grab you, and then use that to heal you, well, I could dodge it, because I also had save states, she would grab the AI control and heal that way, and I'd get pissed. Yeah, especially when it should only take three shots to fight that boss, and because of how much she can heal from a grab, it will take five or six. It, it took me more than that. Oh, God. I also couldn't get really good shots off, because I had a very small window from the time I defeated all four hands to the time I was able to shoot her. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because even when you're charging up for the wild bunch, her hands can re- respawn and grab you. Yeah. <laughs> So, Reese, you saw uh, someone play this game. You, I mean, you saw this ending, right, what we're talking about? Yes, I did. It's a lot harder than it looks. Yeah, I, I'm willing to believe that. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, older games always are, right? <laughs> it was really challenging. Like, I didn't, I was in this, and I because I, I used up almost all my healing items, which are apples, and I collected a ton of apples. I had over, like, 30 apples of the, the weak kind. I had, like, probably over 20 of the medium, and I had a few of the full, almost full health ones. And I still went through almost all my items throughout the two boss fights. And I'm using save states. So I'm cheating and I'm still running out of items. Well, and I'm sure some of that is also, you know, missing some of the like really okay. higher damage gun parts and stuff like that. Right. 100%. Like that, that doesn't help. Yeah. But... And being stupid and not using grenade. That didn't help either. Oh, yeah. That might have been a good opportunity to use. <laughs> and mm-hmm. missing some of the light fruits, which I don't think we've talked about yet. No, you have to get light. You get life fruits in this game, which are in some of the chests. And you collect four and you get more health. I only got it once. Okay. I skipped all those two. <laughs> you can skip a lot of dungeons in this game while you're traversing on the map. Yeah. Yeah, you really can. And I the, the end credit count says there's about 27 dungeons, and at most you can only need to do about six or so. I did yeah. maybe one or more than I needed to, but after a bit I just stopped. Again, I was in a, it was in a time constraint, and I just didn't care, and I didn't realize how important they were. If I was to go back and play this game, I would play it completely differently because I understand more of how to play it. I didn't understand this game very well. No, and that's understandable. Some things in this game are you have to really try out and learn more than it tells you, which is which I I like. Yeah, you know that's like Kojima design that I really like, and I always have. Like I think that's a fun, interesting way to teach the player is just. To force them to teach themselves. <laughs> That's good design, in my opinion. I don't like it, but you are right. I personally hate it. But that's a, again, that's a me thing. That's that's totally fair. I get that. So I, it does, it makes like the game you. more stressful, for sure. Did, speaking of dungeons, did anybody else do the Azure Sky Tower? Nope. Okay. No, no idea what you're talking about. So. so there is a dungeon in the game that is sort of an endless dungeon. Each time you beat it, it grows another foot. 
or another floor and it can go up to 99 floors and that is where the the final sort of challenge of the game is and there's all these doors at the top and it's a big problem for somebody like a completionist because when you beat the game you'll be given one of a few possible emblems and the emblems are used to open a door in that place and it gives you you know the best frame in the game or the best lens etc etc okay but because you can only beat the game once per save file you only get one emblem. And the way that you're supposed to get the other emblems is by link trading with other people who own the game. (laughs) Except nobody owned this game. So (laughs) that's impossible to do. Wow, that's a freaking Game Boy Advance and a link cable. Yeah, and I think that's where one of the gun to hell pieces are because when you beat the game, you actually also get one of the three pieces of the gun to hell, which is the most powerful weapon in the game. So just to clarify something, um, for each floor, you have to, to get to the 99th floor, you have to beat the dungeon, then leave, then come back in, then rebeat the dungeon 99 times. Yeah. Oh, I don't love that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is ridiculous. (laughs) That's pretty wild. I don't think you need to do it for all of the, the items, but you do have to do it to get to the final version of the super boss. Yeah, that's a that's a big no thank you from me. Yeah, it's just supposed to be the final challenge of the game, so you don't have to do it at the very least. I'm so glad I'm not a completionist in any shape or form. That just that just sounds miserable. I mean, it's it's cool that it exists, but I, I sure as hell would not want to mess with that. No. Yeah. <sighs> but I can see people doing it again if you you know. Game Boy Advance game and the idea that you would take it with you all the time while you're going on the train or stuff like that, you know, so I get it in that aspect. It might increase by three floors at a time. I'm not sure, but even then, that's 33 times. Even the dungeon is miserable, like, but anything less than 10 is just my God. Yeah, that's still kind of wild either way. Yeah, Uh, to go go back to the uh, Kojima interview thing, basically. It seems like uh, back when Kojima, back when this game was coming out, Kojima was very promotional of it and kind of seems to act as though he owned the game and like, oh, no, it's my baby. It's my story. I came up with it, came up with the gameplay design. And, you know, all of that might be true. In later years, though, we've got a quote where he says, Boktai was an idea that I had been fond of for many years. Ideally, I should have handled the game design script and direction myself. However, oh. at the time, I also had my Metal Gear project, so I had no choice but to leave Boktai in the hands of a team of younger developers. After admitting the game sold well enough and praising the development team, Kojima said the series could have been done better and blamed his own absence. I do believe that the team lacked the necessary power and wisdom to introduce an entirely new and innovative title and have it successfully penetrate the market. So... You know, that's a very Kojima quote, too, in its own in its Yeah, own it really Kojima. is. <laughs> hey, if he had been on the development team, think about how Metal Gear Solid 3 would have been. Yeah, Not I mean, you know, I can't, I can't complain with what we got. Obviously, it's one of my favorite games. But, like, yeah, it's a very, it, you know, it's a bit rude. It's a bit of a rude quote, I would say. Yeah, I wouldn't even say a bit, but yes. <laughs> I mean, to cut down, yeah, that's kind of... That's kind of shitty. I mean, it is, because the game, you know, mostly got pretty solid reviews. 
<laughs> like people like this game. It it got eight point fives for the most part. Like so, and it's yeah. a good game. Yeah, pretty unnecessary. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's his version of being humble. Yep. That's his version of being upset he wasn't involved as much. Yeah, mm. I think it seems a little bit like a pride thing, but yeah. Yeah, that's Kojima, all right, though. The, the composers of this game, by the way, mentioned the soundtrack, which rock all. It's like <laughs> it's four different people, and they are all like Metal Gear staple people. So that's pretty cool. Like, it really is kind of the full Metal Gear composing team working on this, which is rockin'. Really? That's so weird, because some of those songs definitely sound more like a Castlevania composer than the Metal Gear one. And I, I kind of wonder if there was maybe some, some like, if I dove into their full, uh, oh my gosh, their full library of music, it's possible there's some crossover there, because I agree, it sounds very Castlevania-influenced. <laughs> yeah, I can see that, too. So, Phoebe, did you, how do you do the fight with Sabata? Like, did you have much trouble as I did with that fight? So... The way I did that fight, at least today, was knocking on a wall, hiding as best as I could and having him go to the spot and then hitting him from behind. And if he noticed me, I still moved quickly enough that he would do an attack, but be so focused on his attack that he didn't realize I had disappeared. So you can still hit him from the side or so. Okay. Well, you did a lot better than me then. Yeah, it's it's a lot of tricking the AI into working in your favor. And when he does his spin that actually travels, you just pick an auto fire or some frame that has a shot rather than a spread and just shoot him enough times from far away when his spin slows down that it gets past his his little spread shot. Okay, and I didn't collect enough frames. I had a tarot. I didn't have any... I couldn't really shoot. I, I played this game wrong, by the way. I don't think there's a wrong way to play. Oh, you did fine. You, when you're, I was ill-equipped. So. You were also on a time schedule, so. Yes, self-imposed, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was part of the issue. But I I thought about, I also didn't try like the whole, like when I fought him, I'm watching a speedrun of, speed of it now, and they're like, or maybe just a, a walkthrough of it, like they're, they're doing what you did, they knocked to get his attention. I didn't do any of that. I just ran around and tried to cut him off and catch him behind him. Like, that would have been a lot smarter, too. I kept forgetting about knocking that wall, because I'm not playing a Metal Gear game. Even though the game thought I was playing a Metal Gear game. I was trying to tell myself I wasn't. Well, the game was telling me I was. I, I really want to do another playthrough at this game now. Just trying to stealth it as best I can and see if there is some sort of special thing you get for doing it perfectly. It feels like a Kojima thing that he would put in just because you actually get the special title and some special bandana or so if you do it in the original Metal Gear Solid. I'm wondering if they put anything in this game. I would not be surprised one bit. Yeah, I'm not sure, but what I do know is you can absolutely unlock that solar gun in Metal Gear Solid 4, and it's pretty cool. You can? Oh and my yes, god. you can. And Snake points it up in the sky and... David Hayter yells sunlight every time uh, you reload it. It's very good. Sam, I never knew that. Tayo. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Okay, you taught me something new, Reese. I also have barely played Metal Gear Solid 4. I played it once years ago, and I played it not too long ago for this show. Yeah, I think it's one of the rewards for getting through a certain scenario uh, using just non-lethal. So it's one that not many people encounter because it's a pretty tough scenario. That's awesome. I'm glad that exists, though. That's a cool thing. Okay, I can appreciate that. 
Yeah. And then, uh, we, you know, we were talking uh, before we started the podcast, but there are some interesting Mega Man ties. Yeah. Uh, which, Phoebe, I'll, I'll let you talk about a little bit. Yeah. So this will probably be brought up again in a Bokutai 2 episode if that ever happens. That but... will, but not even, I don't know when. Probably not anytime okay. soon, but yes, it will. But yeah, there are connections between this series and the Battle Network series. There are battle chips in, I believe, Battle Network 4 and 5 that are actually the Gun to Soul. And Django himself might be uh, a summon chip as well. But in Boktai 2, there is a epilogue crossover to the main story where Shade Man EXE shows up and you get to fight him as a boss. And there's actually a thing that you can do. I don't remember if it's just for if you can do it in the epilogue or if it's just a post-game thing, where if you have a link cable, one player has a copy of Boktai 2 and one player has a copy of whichever Battle Network game it is, you can combine the games together and the boss shares health between both games. So one player is doing damage at to Shade Man as Django, and then he'll disappear, and he'll show up in Battle Network, and the other player has to fight him now. That is so fucking strange. Yeah, have you ever heard of another game doing that? Doing a crossover with a completely different game where they sync up, and you're fighting a boss between these two completely different battle systems? No. Yeah, that's not. really, really interesting. Maybe the only thing that comes to mind that, and it's not the same, but maybe the only thing that feels somewhat similar is I know that Monster Hunter and Final Fantasy did some crossover stuff where you like fought one of the monsters from Monster Hunter in Final Fantasy 14 and they brought some of the mechanics into 14, which was kind of interesting, but it's not, you know, it's not really the same thing. <laughs> yeah, the Rathalos fight is such right. a pain in Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and haven't done enough of Monster Hunter Worlds to get to the behemoth yet. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. But like, I mean, you know, yeah, it's not it's not quite the same thing that we're talking about here. It just came to yeah. mind. Apparently, Django and Otenko also appear in Metal um, Metal Man, Mega Man Battle Network 4. But yeah. I have not played that game. And Solid Snake shows up in Boktai 2. <laughs> oh, what? That's cool. I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, the That's old wonderful. snake from Metal Gear Solid 4 is the version that shows up. That's and they awesome. just call him question mark, question mark, question mark. Love it. Okay. Oh, the series that is, is so good. That is strange. But I also don't understand why this game is with, this is a Konami game. Why is there Mega Man stuff? Uh, I don't, I mean, they've done another crossover before as, because like Reese pointed out, Monster Hunter. There's Monster Hunter and Metal Gear crossovers. Yeah, and Peace Walker and stuff. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there must have been some friends on both sides of the companies, right? And, yeah. I'm guessing then. Interesting. Just a strange thing to have. Right. All right. Any last things you guys want to say about Book Time? And then we'll go to Shelf Stacker Box. Yeah. So this isn't exactly about Book Time, but have either one of you heard of Kura 5 yet? No, I have not. I have also not. Okay, so it's K-U-R-A-5, and I hope I'm getting nobody in trouble. And I hope Konami doesn't care enough, but there is a Tumblr. These indie developers are actually making a Boktai fan game. I am on their website looking at this, and it's very it's very interesting. It looks pretty impressive. Yeah. I don't think they were in this podcast at that big, so. So, fair. So you switch between two characters. As far as I'm aware, they have a demo out so far. That's chapters one through four. Haven't played it yet. 
But the female character is named Annie, because Annie Oakley, because every human in the series has to be a Western pun. And the vampire's name is, I think, Emil. But what they're doing is, because this is a computer game, instead of there being a solar sensor, you can have... This is a thing that you can turn on and off. If you turn it off, it will just randomize the weather in the game. But if you have this thing called Weather Sync turned on, the game will read your IP address, connect to the internet, go to different weather websites, and will emulate what the weather outside of your house is like is like in the game. So if it's raining outside your house, it will rain in the video game. That's re- really cool. Yeah. It's like there's a demo of the first four chapters out that you can yep. download, which is very cool. And the other thing that they're doing is there is another group completely independent that are doing a battle network fan game <laughs> and they're doing a crossover. So they're keeping the Bowtie Battle Network connection alive via these two fan games, which I think is absolutely adorable. That's just that strange. Is awesome. Love it. Good. Thumbs up. Good. <laughs> okay. That's a weird thing I would not have expected to hear. I also don't think you should ever put your game. I mean, I get it that you want to show people what you're creating, but when you're doing stuff like that, you really shouldn't put it online. Yeah. Until you're done. Like I said, I don't want to get them in trouble. No, I just fucking hate that. He does not shoot this down. This podcast, yeah. This episode will get somewhere between 100 and 200 people listen to it. I don't think you have to worry about that. Knowing Capcom, they might just take the the fan game for Battle Network and license it, but still have them work on it. Because they did the same thing with the Mega Man X Street Fighter video game. Yeah. No, that that Kura 5 looks actually pretty cool. I'm watching it right now, and it's very much... A love letter to Boktai. Like, that yeah. is cool. It's really nice to see that this series is still getting love even today. Yeah, that makes me happy. Okay. No, this looks cool. I hope I hope that... I mean, I don't think Konami gives a shit as much, especially about a series that the guy who created they don't like anyway, so... They do use that Boktai name, though. Like, oh, that makes me so nervous for them. I hope they can pull it off. I think that's why they're I mean, calling it Kura 5. Yeah, but, like, the site is still Project Bowtie 3, 3D. It's like, oh, no, don't, oh, like, get rid of that. Get rid of that. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> Remove that part, and you're gold. <laughs> All right, let's go to Shelf Stacker Box, and I'll go first. So I wasn't unsure about this game, like, what I thought about it, because I, I had a very mixed time with it. Again, a lot of it was personal, just because I I had a very hard time with this game, because I was in a rush, because... I missed a lot. The guide, I, the guides I were using weren't very good. Again, that's all on me. That's not a that's not the game thing. But I'm actually going to put this in the box because it's a great game. But I didn't have a lot of fun with it. I had a very hard time with it, and it's not something that I would recommend. Other people, it's a great game. It's just not something that I I think it's hard. I, it was hard for me to play it in this day and age. I still enjoy it. So I don't want to be seen as a bad thing or anything. It's still a great game. I just got put in the boxes. It didn't grab me as much as I was hoping it would. I do want to play more of the series. And what about you, Reese? This is going to be fun because we're all on a different wavelength. Um, I'm going to put it in the stack. I kind of think there's enough interesting stuff here. Like I, I'm I've never been a big dungeon crawler guy, and I do get a little burnt out on the repeated, uh, you know, uh, templates that are being used a lot of the time. Uh, visually, you know, just the swap outs are okay. I wouldn't say that it makes me feel like I'm playing totally different levels every time, but I. I think it's mechanically a really interesting game and I have enough affinity for the history behind it and the Kojima connection and like how it feels connected to Metal Gear and stuff that I am uh, I'm more fond of this game than I thought I might even be. Um, 
yeah, no, I, I like I had a good time playing what I had. Like I said, I do want to actually go back to it and finish it. If I had a four hundred fifty dollar unopened copy of this, game, <laughs> that thing's going on the shelf. But I but as can't it is, believe it's that much. I have a pre-owned copy, so to speak. So I'm putting it in the stack. Okay. And what about you, Phoebe? Oh, this is shall fall away. But I do admit there are some flaws of this game, especially if if you are thinking this is going to be a short game because it is on the Game Boy Advance. Again, that's my fault. No, I I can understand. It's about 10 hours just for the story alone. And with all the side content, it can easily go up to 20 or more. So... Especially since you have to beat the game twice to get one of the gun to hell pieces. That's there are, too much. There are flaws in this game, absolutely, but it holds such a uh, just a spot in my heart that I kind of feel obligated to put it on the shelf. No, and I'm I'm glad that we all have different. Like I I I don't want it to be seen as like I didn't enjoy the game. I I just can't. I I don't feel strongly enough about it that I can put it anywhere higher than what I did, just because of the way that this game was for me but it's a it's a very interesting game so i just don't want it, i just don't want you to take it that way take it bad or anything no you're fine because i feel bad so the first recommendation that i boxed the game. But you're fine Mike. I, don't definitely worry about try, it. I want to try two and three now very much so i'm also very curious about them and uh we'll probably check them out in the future they will be on the show at some point Woo! so i can say that i don't know when i'll be re- ready to get to another one but i definitely do want to get to another one so all right well, thank you, Phoebe, for uh, suggesting this. Absolutely. Because you got another game that's been on my list to try for years. You finally got me to play. So thank you. No problem. Yeah, thank you. I had been also looking for an excuse to play it for a while. So thank you. And you answered my call on, on Facebook. So I was actually worried. I'm like, hmm, it might just be me and Phoebe. I'm like, who the hell is going to want to play this? You know, like, it's not an easy game to, to play. And some people are like, I don't like emulation. So, <laughs> so, well, in this case, you don't have much of a choice. So. Oh, last topic I do want to go out before we do wrap this up is, do you think there's going to be a good chance of this getting re-released? Because I know we talked a little bit about it earlier, but I um, wanted to bring it up again. More and more, no. If there was ever going to be a chance to re-release this game, it would have been the Switch just because of the Joy-Con. But knowing that it's not there yet, I don't see this game ever being re-released. Okay. Or it getting any sort of sequel or remake, which is really sad because it's one of the more unique konami experiences even saying that it's a metal gear castlevania fusion does not give this game justice okay i can agree with that yeah for sure i mean i don't want anyone to give up hope but it's a pretty (laughs) slim chance yeah if anything there is the fan game i'm i'm curious to see where that goes hopefully not canceled yeah that's the more likely yes Especially when you put it on YouTube. Mm. (laughs) you can't you just want to keep that game to yourself until it finally is done Looking at you, AM2R. AM, oh, that's what AM2R did, didn't it? Yeah. Is it? I yeah. have it on my PC. I it have rocks. it on a USB it's and so on Google Drive. Good. What a good game. I need to play it. It's so good. It's on my list of things to get to. They've, they've even, fans have even modded that game to the point that there's a multiplayer mode. That's how you make fan games. You don't say a fucking word until you're finished. So they don't, so they can't shut you down. Even when you're finished, you don't say anything because the Nintendo might shoot you down. Once you finish it out in the wild, it doesn't matter. So because once something's on the Internet, it doesn't ever go off the Internet. Yeah, there's no getting rid of something on the Internet. So once it's out there, it exists forever (laughs) in this day and age. And Reese, where can people find you at? Hey there. You know what? 
you can you can find my Twitter. I haven't been using it for the past few months due to what's oh. been going on on Twitter and all the craziness. That's um, fair. But if you want to find me, I'm at at Side Group Games. But uh, more alternatively, you can go to www.sidegroupgames.com. That's where I sell the games that I make. And uh, other than that, uh, you know what? I'm working on a project right now that is not related to uh, Side Group at all. And that okay. is Fogtown, which is a FMV game that is tied into a pilot of a TV show. There's a bunch of exciting stuff going on with that. So please go to www.fogtownseries.com to learn more about that project and what I've been doing on it. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's what I've been focused on. Okay, that's cool. I looked it up. So... <laughs> And Phoebe, where can people find you at? You can find me over on Twitch, YouTube, and the Twitter as the Let's Play Princess. On Twitter, it's the LP Princess. I do a lot of different video game LPs, challenges. I stream on Wednesdays. And yeah, I also just shoot the shit over on Twitter every once in a while. (laughs) All right. And if you enjoyed this episode, there's over 400 other episodes of Games My Mom Found. You can we do games, comics, movies, TV shows. All sorts of stuff you can find our giant catalog there. So definitely go through and see what catches your eye. I also want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of Helena at Hellhashfury. You can follow her on TikTok. Definitely go check her out. And I want to give a shout shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who started his own podcast, The Gamer Looks at 40. Definitely go check him out. And if you want to support the show, we do have Patreon for as little dollar. You can vote in our Patreon polls. We have one every month. You get to choose one of the, something that's gonna be a topic that's gonna be on the show, like a Usually a movie that we'll cover. We have a Discord. You'll see a link in the show notes. You can talk with us. And also, last thing I want to ask is please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. And so help support the show that way. I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.